Steve, the bulletin says we're singing, Oh, Come All You Faithful. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm so glad you switched it up. I think we just needed to hear that one last time before we get to Christmas. God is with us. He is here. You don't have to beg him to draw near. He has come close. He is with us. And he's still speaking. Our Father and God, we just thank you. We thank you that as we come to this time of year that you are here. It's a reminder that you did not leave us on our own. You saw our need. You rescued us. And so as we come to this time to consider your word, we praise you. Father, we pray that you would speak even now. Help our hearts and our minds to be open. As the word is spoken, we love you, Jesus. It's in the precious, powerful name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen. Our God is a God who speaks. While we may not hear an audible voice, we can celebrate today that one of the greatest attributes about our God is He is a God who speaks. We are not left to speculate about who He is or how we can know Him or what we're to do. He is a God who speaks. The Scriptures tell us that there were some who spoke with Him as if they were face to face with Him. We know that the first man and first woman, they spoke with Him as if face to face, Moses is described, as if one man to another, they spoke with God. God also raised up prophets to deliver his message to the world. We know that he spoke through dreams and visions and we're told even in the Muslim world today, that's how the kingdom is advancing, is through dreams and visions as God continues to speak. The Holy Spirit superintended over the affairs of men of old, inspiring them to Record his inerrant word that's been preserved for us in the Holy Scriptures. Our God speaks. But for the last several weeks, we've been looking at one specific mode by which God communicates. God has given specific tasks to certain angels to communicate his message. And throughout the Scriptures, we see these visitations by angels. And in particular, when you pay attention to the narrative of Christ's birth... He uses angels to communicate with his people. And the angelic messages of the nativity track right along with the themes of Advent. When he, the angel Gabriel came to Zacharias about his son who was to come, his son John, it brings a message of hope that God has not forgotten, that God has not given up, that God has not abandoned, but he keeps his promises. He also goes to Mary and delivers a message of love because for God so loved the world that he's sending his son a message of love. To the shepherds who were in that field outside of Bethlehem, the angel appears and brings a message of joy that God is coming. Don't cower. Don't run and hide. It's a message to produce joy. And today we will continue in Luke 2 as we look at the message um, that's contained here, which is a message of peace. Last week we followed the account of the shepherds that were gathered there in uh, outside, the fields outside of Bethlehem. Suddenly an angel appears. Well, surprise upon surprise, they get an even greater revelation. So look with me at Luke 2 verses 13 and I'll read through verse 20. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest 
and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. On the very first Christmas... The angels bring a message of peace for the earth. The fourth theme of Advent. For those experiencing turmoil today, I believe that Christmas reminds us that God has come into our world to bring peace. So I want us to consider this true account from Luke's gospel this morning. By first looking at the angels' message, then looking at the shepherds' response, and finally, the world's reaction. So we're going to begin with verses uh, 13 through 14 and this message from the angels. The passage opens with an announcement of a sudden appearance. And it's so obvious at this point that God is drawing near to humanity. Prior to this moment, there had been 400 years of silence. A God who loves to speak has sat silent. And so in this silence, all of a sudden, God begins to draw near and we see the seams of the veil begin to stretch. And all of a sudden, the curtains are peeled back so that we can, from the earthly realm, glimpse into what's happening in the divine realm. Now remember, there are shepherds who are gathered here as an audience to this incredible display. Thankfully, God knew they were made of flesh because he just revealed one angel, which was enough to scare them, before he revealed this heavenly host. Whatever it is, it's an overwhelming experience. Now, there's this multitude of the heavenly host that's gathered there before these shepherds. Our culture has hijacked this world, angels. Um, we, we use it to describe, um, you know, a, a beautiful woman or a sweet smell, a sweet sound, uh, child, you know, an angelic voice when somebody sings. But this multitude of the heavenly hosts gathered here in the fields outside of Bethlehem is not a beauty pageant. It's not just flowing hair and gorgeous sound. That's not what it is. These angels represent God's military might. That's who's gathered here. And their message is one of praise to God. So it's rooted in adoration to creator God. So all of a sudden the curtains are pulled back and their praise is not for themselves, but it's bringing glory to God. Now we primarily imagine that the angels were singing, but the scriptures do not say that. Now they could have been singing, but it's not that the heavenly host was just a choir. It might have involved a choir. But what we see is a battalion of angelic warriors revealed in this moment. And verse 13 says they are saying. Now I would say to you that could mean they were singing because it's poetic. And oftentimes we sing what sounds poetic. They could have been chanting. They could have been you know, shouting. I don't know. However it came out of their mouth. The message opened with glory 
to God in the highest. And I have to say, that's a real clear message to you and me. That that's where it all begins. It all begins with glory to God. These overwhelming beings that appeared there could have been speaking of themselves, but instead they turn their attention to God and they declare glory to God in the highest and on earth. And I want us to pause right there. This message is God's word invading the earth. Now I know there are some who like to keep God in a box, but he is king over all creation. So Caesar Augustus from Rome could declare that there would be a census for the entire inhabited world. And at a moment, there could be a man who is in Nazareth who has to take his betrothed wife who's expecting a child and travel to his ancestral home, all because Caesar said it from Rome. We know that today there could be a message out of Washington that could gather the entire world's attention and certain things could be done. But nothing compares to the authority that the God of all creation holds. There is nothing outside of his purview. There is nothing beyond his ability to do or to accomplish. He is sovereign over all things. His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. So from the throne room of heaven... God dispatches his servant angels to the fields outside of Bethlehem. And they come to declare this message to the people of earth. The Stoic philosopher Epictetus, he said, While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. So can't give peace that we really desire, but God can. And the message from this angelic host is on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Peace is more than just a truce in the battles of life. Peace draws to mind well-being. It connotes prosperity and security. It brings to mind soundness and completeness. That's what peace means. And God is bringing it all. And the recipients of this peace are those men with whom he is pleased. So you say, well, who are these married gentlemen that receive this? Well, this includes, we would assume or know this includes basically everybody who's counted among God's people. So whoever is numbered among God's, that's who receives the peace. So what that means is peace really is ultimately going to come through salvation. So he's speaking of salvation here. And it doesn't mean it's automatic for everyone, but it's salvation which leads to peace for those who are counted among God's people, those who are God's followers, children of God. So the peace God is bringing to earth is primarily related to being reconciled to God, to being at peace with him. Reminds me of the scripture I read several times this past week in Colossians 1. Verse 19, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So Jesus' mission, the reason he appears in this manger, was so that he could lead the life that would lead to reconciling people to God. 
He became the lamb who takes away the sins of the world so that people like you and me could be at peace with God. Now, we understand the peace mentioned here is primarily related to salvation. But there's another meaning for peace, right? The word in which, or the world in which Jesus entered was an absolute turmoil. And it still is, isn't it? Society is not progressing. It's in the decline. The world seems to be at total odds. And I know I have not lived long enough or I don't claim to be an expert enough on the progress of society and the state of every uh, period of time in history. But I can tell you that it feels like we are living in a difficult season. But I imagine that every era had its problems in history. But the tension that's in the air right now, for me, just seems overwhelming. I mean, the division within our own nation is just so disheartening. It's heartbreaking, actually. I just hate to see our nation at odds. And we see it on display, not just in the news or not just in political commentary, but in social media where it just seems like things are so tense. We're divided. We're divided geographically. We're divided racially. We're divided generationally, culturally. You could probably keep going on, right? And there's nothing indicating that at the start of the year we're going to see relief from that. In fact, we imagine we are moving towards an even more intense season of life in our own culture. Well, I was thinking when the angels showed up outside of Bethlehem, according to everything we know, life in Judea was difficult. High taxes, an encroaching federal government, also moral decline, and there's this division among the people, religiously, culturally, racially, economically, and you could probably keep going on, right? Well, it's into that state of affairs that God shatters the silence that had characterized the previous 400 years. And those dismal state of affairs serves as the backdrop for divine peace entering into the world. In fact, when I hear peace, I often think of just this passive, you know, tiptoeing around one another. We're not going to pick a fight kind of thing. But I don't think that's accurate. See, I think the peace that came from heaven was a war cry. God was drawing up battle lines against the turmoil of the world. The solution to the troubles of this world is the same today as it was yesterday. The peace of God reigning through the presence of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can save. He's the only hero for a world that's at odds. No political figure is going to save us. No group of people is going to bring peace we desire. We need Jesus. That's the bottom line. And guess what? He came. He came for us. He declared war against sin and he won the battle by laying his life down and giving up his life's blood. He triumphed over the grave and today reigns on high with God. He came so that you can receive forgiveness and so that you can find peace with God And to receive that forgiveness, you only believe that he is is who he says he is, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Only Jesus can save. 
Well, the angels praise God and they declare that peace has now come to mankind. So how did the shepherds respond to this message? Look at verse 15. Verse 15 tells us that the angels didn't remain. They went, returned to heaven is what happened. So the veil, the, 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 the curtain that had been pulled back now closes. The angels have left. And that's a real critical moment. Because how are the shepherds going to respond? They've received this incredible message. What will they do? How will they react? It's very similar to whenever a doctor offers a patient a diagnosis. So he's given information, but now what are you going to do with it? You need to change your diet. You need to go on this medication. You need to see this specialist. So you have to respond to it. Or whenever a preacher delivers a message with a, you know, a clear response, you hear it there, the scriptures are made real, but what are you going to do with it? Are you just going to say amen? Or are you going to respond to the message? Well, the shepherds do this. The curtains close, the angels have gone away, and then they say to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds immediately resolved to obey. They clearly recognized that the angels were sent by God because they don't say that message that the angels delivered. What do they say? That the Lord has told us. They knew where the angels came from, so they knew who was the source of this message. And they were determined to obey. Let us go and see. Verse 16 says they came in a hurry. I don't think that means they sprinted off. I don't think that they you know, pulled up their robes and just kind of hustled off to get there. What I think it does mean is that they were immediately obedient. There was no, de- uh, no daylight between the command given through the angels and their response of obedience to go and see. This was not, let's just wait and see how this pans out. Let's see if somebody else comes and tells us, what if more angels show up? They just say, yes, okay, we'll go. Let's go right now. And just as should be expected, they're rewarded for the obedience. The scripture says the shepherds found, they found that God's word had been true. They found that God kept his ancient promise to his beloved people. What they found was Mary and they found Joseph. And there's this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. This humble feeding trough was now the holy of holies because the fullness of God was dwelling right there in the flesh. Well, when they saw that uh, and they, they realized everything they had been told had been, you know, that they had found out about was exactly as had it been, as it had been said. Um, Then they told what they experienced. And thanks to that, we have it recorded here in Luke's gospel. But this also reminds us of the lesson we've learned over and over again. Don't keep silent about what you have seen and heard. If it's good news, it's news to be shared, right? Second Kings tells an interesting story about a time in history in, um, in Israel. In the capital city of Samaria, there was a great famine, and the people were starving. And then the king of Aram, he decides to take, lay siege to the city. So now nothing in, nothing out. So the people are absolutely starving in Samaria. In fact, the scripture says some resorted to cannibalism. It's an awful time. As a matter of fact, the king realizes this and he tears his robes. And and then Elisha speaks up. 
And he says, God is going to bring relief. In fact, he says, it's coming immediately. And guess what? God did. The Arameans were caused to flee. They were scared to the point that they just left everything. They left their tents. They left their food. They left their water. They left everything that was there. They ran because of whatever had spooked them. But the people inside of the city didn't know that it happened. So they're starving on the inside, but there's all this resource on the outside. So they don't know, but there are four lepers living outside of the city walls. And uh, they, they say to themselves, we could stay here and die. We could go back there. They have nothing. We'll die there. Or we could go into the camp of the Arameans and see if somehow they'll provide for us. So they go and they discover the army's gone. There's food to, to spare. So they go from tent to tent filling their stomachs. And they think, oh, this is great. Guess it doesn't occur to them that there are people inside of those walls starving. Until verse 9, 2 Kings 7, 9 says, Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. And the message is that good news is meant to be shared. Good news is to be shared. The lepers had good news, but they were holding on to it. But they realized, we've got to share this. Well, the shepherds, they heard from the angels. They saw this experience and they realized, this is a story to tell. Good news. God's come. So the shepherds serve as a model for us in determining how to respond to God. And I see three specific ways that the shepherds responded. First of all, they obeyed. Verse 15 tells us, Um, that they made haste to do what they were commanded to do. Well, what about you? Is your yes on the table with the Lord? Whatever it may be, are you saying, God, what you call me to, I'll do it. However I can serve in your kingdom, I'll do it. Second thing is they spread the word. Verse 17 says they made known what they had been told. Well, are you living on mission by sharing what you know to be true? If it's good news, it's not meant to be just shared among ourselves. But it's to be spread to those who are inside of the walls that don't know what's out here. Finally, verse 20 indicates the shepherds turned to God in worship. They lived for the audience of one because there were no angels there. There was no Mary and Joseph. They just gave their praise to God. Well, what about you? Are you living for yourself or are you living for the glory of God? Well, the shepherds responded to God's message in a clear and compelling way and the world reacted to their response. So look at verse 18. Um, All who heard the response of the shepherds here um, wondered at what they were told. Well, that word wonder means they were amazed. Uh, and so everyone who heard was amazed. And how could you not be, right? An imperial decree, uh, an angelic message, divine direction, all leading to this baby in a manger. I mean, I'm sure everybody was like, what? Oh, my goodness, what has happened? Well, to be struck with wonder is one thing, but Mary goes a step further. Verse 19 says she treasured these things, and she pondered them is what it says. So in other words, she placed high value on all this has happened. And those things that didn't quite connect yet in her mind, she began to ponder in her heart. I think this is where that song, Mary Did You Know, finds biblical rest here. Because although she had been told, she didn't know everything, and now she has all this to ponder of what has happened. Verse 20 tells us the shepherds went back. They didn't stay there. They had to return. And so on the return trip, they are glorifying God and praising God. They recognized all of this was God's doing and that he was acting on man's behalf. He was up to something. 
Something that would bring about peace on earth. So they continued to repeat the sounding joy that they heard from the angels that moment. And their praise was in response for what they had heard and seen, which had been exactly as they had been told. So the prophecy of the angels is fulfilled and they're saying, oh, it all came true. So they're praising God for it. You know, there's a lot of things to praise God for. Yesterday, I was picking up a couple of gifts in Harbison. I don't know that that's something to be praising God for this time of year. But I thought about all of y'all while I was there. And I waited in this long line at the store to buy a Christmas present, a single you know, gift for a single person. Long line. I was also going to pick up a gift card at the register um, for somebody else. And so I waited so long. By the time I got to the front, I forgot about the gift card. But I took my present. I headed off. In fact, I was so happy I was done. I was... I was actually, I, I, this is who I am. I was singing as I went through the, uh, the uh, parking lot. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And somebody's going, yeah, 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 at me while I did that. So I got in the car and I backed out and I'm pulling. I went, the gift card. What am I going to do? And I thought, well, I could just say, well, I forgot. You know, um, I've done that before. And I decided, <laughs> I've remembered now. So I've got to do something about this. And I thought, goodness gracious. So I know you're not going to believe this, but as soon as I passed by that store, the closest parking place to the door, I mean, because they're circling like vultures, so people out there to get these parking places, it becomes available. And I whip in there, and, I, you know, I, I don't know if God's orchestrating these things from heaven, but I do know this, every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? <laughs> so I get out of the car, I'm just singing more, I get to the register, they have to hear about it. There's a lot we can praise God for, even parking places when you're shopping in Harbison. Well, the shepherds, they praised God because everything was just as they had been, foretold, had been foretold. Well, the birth of Jesus is a lesson in God's faithfulness. He has not forgotten his people. He has come into this world. He has shown himself to be involved in the details of our lives. His spirit is expressing himself within us. His hand is caring for us. He is shaping us, molding us, pruning us. It's not always glorious moment. But he's making us into the man or the woman he desires for us to be. So the Christmas story tells us Jesus was a special child. But his life, ministry, and message tell us he was absolutely unique. He's God in the flesh and he can be trusted. So the message of the babe in the manger is a reminder to put your hope in God. Do you think those shepherds had other options to trust in? Yes, there are always other options. We have plenty of options today. We trust in all kinds of things, but God is the only faithful one. All other ground sinks. Lean on Jesus. Trust in God. Believe that Jesus is the one who has come to rescue. So God knows your need, and he's come to bring you peace. Well, the message of Christmas is not God will send some hero. He's not going to send some political figure. He's not going to uh, solve the problems with man figuring it out. Christmas is about the fact that he came as the hero. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, our God is with us. Jesus is God in the flesh. One of my favorite songs to sing at Christmas is Hark the Herald Angels Sing, one of Charles Wesley's greats. In the second stanza, he has this incredible lyric. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. We get to see God with flesh on in the person of Jesus. Worship him. If you want to experience peace with God and even peace on earth, 
begin by taking notice that God has come to save us. We are not on our own. We do not have to turn to lesser saviors or wannabe heroes. We have Jesus to hope in. And the people with the most hope ought to be the believers in Jesus. I love Christmas because it reminds me we have an approachable Savior who says, come close, draw near, and we can. Oh, come. Come and adore the King of Kings. As we close this service and prepare for Christmas week, I want to invite you to come before Jesus in preparation for your celebration, in adoration. Not because he's a precious baby or because of all the nostalgia at Christmas time. Praise him because he came from heaven's throne room in the most humble of ways as the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus has come for you. Our Father in God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it, the message that's made clear for us, not just in our remembrances of and our celebrations of, but in the reality that at a particular moment in history, you split the scenes and Jesus, you entered the world so that we might have salvation. We pray now that as we respond, Lord, that we would open our hearts to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God's speaking to you. I encourage you to respond. Say yes to him. It might be following believers' baptism. It might be responding to the gospel. It might be joining the church. Or it might be just right there where you are. And just in your own moment of praising God, of adoring Him. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Our choir is going to sing. As they sing, you respond.